0: educating by sharing our From the Trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home.
1: Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have uh, Jeffrey Marshall with us from the um, Heritage Conservancy. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about your background.
2: Well, my background is I am a a graduate of Penn State University, went there undergrad and grad school. My background was in architecture and early American history. And fresh out of grad school, I ended up doing work in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, researching old houses in and around Washington's Crossing.
1: Oh, very interesting. Okay, so what drew you into architecture, preservation, history?:
2: I always liked architecture. Um, I think history probably started when I was 11 years old and went to Williamsburg. Um, oh, yeah. And then when I was younger, I went to Gettysburg. So the idea of um, history, American history, American military history, and architecture were just things I always enjoyed. And okay, it
1: very small yeah and i i think too the having those places to visit gives us like a a it's it's almost like going back in and seeing what it was like so i think that that especially for children i think that really makes a uh it it makes that impression
2: No, i think it had a profound it had a profound influence on me and then as far as doing my natural historic natural preservation conservation work is going out and walking in the woods you know so it's uh, an appreciation for both our history and our um, environment that how I grew up
1: yes yes okay well tell me a little bit about the work that the Heritage um, Conservancy does
2: well we are a regional organization based in southeast Pennsylvania Bucks County and what we do is preserve historic places and open spaces uh, in our uh, organization we don't pull apart whether it's Natural, whether it's historic, whether it's scenic, whether it's farmland preservation. All we try to do is um, maintain the community um, health and vitality environmental, social, cultural and uh, create a place or preserve a place that future generations will want to be and uh, can enjoy as much as we do. So we are, I guess, a place-based organization and try to keep our little corner of the earth um, special and it's not unlike other similar organizations in other special places throughout the country
1: yeah. okay and i know some of your education outreach involves the house detective can you talk to me about that a little bit
2: sure uh, again with our historic preservation aspects we do national register nominations we do historic surveys we do all that type of stuff but really what seems to resonate with people especially in bucks county where the quintessential old stone bucks county farmhouse exists is people want to know the story behind their house and so over the years with background in history and in architecture um what we do is we give them a narrative story from william penn um who's owned the building when we think the building was constructed certain facts we found about the architecture and about the people and do the genealogy of
1: the house oh very cool do you um so I guess you, you pretty much um, go through and, and find the house history and then write the narrative, I, right, I'm assuming. We, yeah, you go through yeah. the public records. Okay. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Public records and then uh, private historical society here in Bucks County is very good. So they have old newspapers, Oregon sports, trying to put things like that. And then architecture, we look at and see how the house put together. Right. A uh, hundred years ago, Henry Mercer, who-
1: Oh, yes. county. I was and, actually uh, just talking about that earlier this week.
2: You know, came yeah. home with the idea, a house can't be any older than the construction materials and um, methods that it was constructed.
1: Right. you so look at
2: it and say, it's got hand wrought nails, it's got riven lath, it's got, you know, this type of stuff, but then you get an idea when it was built. Mm-hmm. It's like, in a hundred years from now, when people pull apart a house and they see drywall screws, they know it's <laughs> not going to be from 1950. Right. On right. And it's really the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. knowing what features are illustrative or indicative, and mm-hmm. then put it in the concept of architectural style which most people can study that is general bell-shaped curve. somebody built this house this style and then everybody builds it then it wanes and your house is probably built someplace in the middle We right. put it all together and then we guess how old the house is
1: <laughs> well and yeah and and sometimes it is a guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah there,
2: yeah there's no such thing as a building permit in 1744.
1: that's true yes yeah but but it's true when you look at things i was at um how uh building low in southern Lancaster County and they're like, Oh, it's mid eighteen hundreds. I'm like, there's no way this building's much earlier. I said there there's no saw marks in this in this in this, but they didn't they they just didn't know what they were looking at. And so you and it's true. You can look at things and tell kind of at least when the period would be not maybe not to the exact date, but you right. can you can tell that. And most so, people
2: don't have a lot of real life experience. That's it. true. I
1: mean, well and yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sometimes
2: you're yeah. 4,000, 10,000, whatever it's been, buildings. Right. You, you get a feel.
1: Yeah, you do. Um, so do you do that just in the Bucks County area or do you, do you, do you, do you limit your, your, your region?
2: We do it regionally. That's a good okay. word to say. You know, Montgomery County, Chester County, Delaware County, Northampton County, Lehigh County, across the river into uh, New Jersey. Anywhere where the regional architecture has the same pattern, uh, is makes it uh, you know, transferable. Right. You know, yell people who like come from New England and say, well, I could be in an old house within five years. Well, maybe in New England, but the trends right. are different here. It's different, it is. yeah. There's a, you know, enough of a trend, even as far as, you know, Lancaster and Center County, I've done projects.
1: Okay. Okay, very interesting. Um, I do, I, I know Laura, who helps me set up the podcast, I know she had sent me the, um, Picture of was it was that you dressed up as a detective? Yes. Okay.
2: In order to make it a little more entertaining, it we euphemistically call the Sherlock Holmes house detective (laughs) Holmes without an L. Yeah. That's uh, that's what we do. Just trying to make it entertaining as well as informative.
1: Okay. Very, um, very, very. I think that's a great um, uh, offering that you have, and and I think that people really people who are in love with their old buildings really want to know the history and want to be able to tell people the history so i i think that that's that's really a a a good um good place to be i i know um i mean let me okay the um i i saw when i was on the website this morning that there were that you use easements to protect properties and and land can you talk to me a little bit about that like,
2: um- We have both what we call conservation easements and preservation easements, depending on whether it's 100 acres of land or maybe a smaller property that has a significant historic resource or resources. So um, we have easements on about 14 or 15,000 acres um, throughout the region, um, and uh, about two dozen on preservation easements. The land easements are much more popular than the the preservation. Uh, and in both cases, we work with the property owner to identify what they what their vision for the property is forever.
1: right
2: uh, we're all gone. We try to put that vision in a document uh, called an easement, preservation or conservation easement. That easement is recorded. It, then it's in perpetuity, which means right. all future property owners have to abide by it and it's in our responsibility to monitor and enforce that easement forever. Yeah. Um, and so that's what our organization
1: primarily does so do do you like if somebody wants to make a change or needs to repair something you have to go out and approve it or or give guidance is that
2: exactly we hope that we don't make it too stifling and that what we're really concerned about either with the land or the building Mm -hmm. what are the character defining elements and what those are what you want to protect you i don't want to micromanage and say what color do you paint your windows
1: right swing set out
2: back but we don't want you to make changes that impact the, the very conservation values for which um, the building or the property is preserved.
1: Yeah. And I, I agree with that philosophy. And then I tell people that a lot that, you know, you don't want to do something that can't be undone. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, but and I, 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 the one reason I wanted to talk a little bit about easements was because um I think a lot of people are under the assumption that like listing on the national register protects you from demolition or, or, you know, some of those other, other listings and it doesn't. And I think that that's something that homeowners often assume soon will, will protect them and it doesn't or protect the building. I couldn't have said it better myself. You're
2: absolutely correct. People are on that misconception. Right. a, A lot of national register nominations and they protect properties from government, Actions, but not from private individuals doing what they want. So, if right. there is a desire to pay homage to a property you've owned for years and want to, you know, or homage to your ancestors,
1: right?
2: The only way to really do it is to charge somebody with the responsibility of enforcing that forever. And yes. That needs does compared to a deed restriction or something like that or legislation, which we know <laughs> is the current climate. Are being uh, rescinded right? Well, now. I was
1: I was just going to say, it, it, legislation's as good as the people enforcing it. <laughs> it's a good so, tool, but
2: it certainly isn't a permanent tool. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that is true. So, um, what um, challenges and trends do you see in preservation or in conservation? Well, there, there are
2: some in both, obviously. Yeah, preservation is there's probably uh, at least in Bucs-Kya, seems to be less and less um, attraction or fascination with old houses. Mm. I've been doing this uh, for 40 years. And uh, people were dying to get beautiful old, Hudson kind of stone farmhouses. Now people um, don't seem to want to live that way. They want modern conveniences. And if they buy an old house, they put a huge addition on it. or change right. it Unless you don't sell. So that's one issue. The second issue is, is money in terms mm. of money for preservation. Both money to do it right, and then money to find the artisans who can do it right. Right, it's very difficult, um, and that's one of the issues we're having nationwide. People just mm-hmm. can't, don't have experience in doing this kind of work. Um, right, with land conservation, um, it's competition for the land by other um, groups, people, organizations, be homeowners, developers. Um, a lot of pipelines, you know, mm-hmm. things right. going through that um, have an impact on important natural areas. We're doing a project in the area called the Quakertown Swamp, and you know, for hundreds of years, people wanted to drain swamps. Um, <laughs> to give the analogy there for a second, but right now we understand how important inland wetlands are right. for yeah. water recharge, for purification, for all the yeah. things. And what used to be seen as space or vacant space is really an important part of the ecosystem yeah. and that's that recognition and that education is something is a challenge for us and mm-hmm. we have to engage uh, new people broader diverse audiences right uh, not just the people who own the property in the case of open space or in the case of a historic building but the entire community to understand that they are important for biological social or cultural reasons
1: I, and I, I agree with you on that because I, th- I I've started to see a trend too in like even if they're building a development in and around Lancaster that they're um, they're trying to at least like retain some of that that buffer of the natural wetlands and it makes sense it makes sense to to, to let the let it work the way it's way way, way that it, it has worked for for many years rather than trying to put you know man made solutions in.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Natural ecosystems is yeah. kind of the buzz term for um, doing this up the green infrastructure versus gray infrastructure. Right. And that is going to become more and more important um, in the future. And the, I think an issue with the historic preservation is a greater percentage of the population aren't native to the county. And, right. You know, in Lancaster. But when 40% of the people were there for generations or more, and now that's down to 20%, that public appreciation of the heritage of an area is almost like it's not their heritage it was somebody else's right they feel as strongly towards protecting it as yeah. their families
1: and that's, that's yeah
2: I don't know. What no i mean? yeah i
1: i agree with you on that and i i'm just finishing reading a book um and it's really an interesting book. At first, I thought it was going to be like history-based, but it's really not. It's called Northern Slavery, but he, he's a psychologist, and he wrote it from the understanding of collective memory. And one of the things he talks about is people moving away. And if people move away and the places are not kept so that people can see it and keep remembering, eventually, you know, the stories don't get passed on and nobody remembers. Everybody thinks it didn't happen.
2: That it just comes yeah. with a financial burden that nobody really cares, about.
1: right? Right, so so that's that's that 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 theme seems to be like it, that was interesting to me from a preservation standpoint to connect that that thought of of places as kind of like touchstones to our history, which it. I I had never really looked at that way before. Well,
2: I, I agree, and I, I do a lot with barn preservation, same so thing, mm, barns are yeah. big people building out in the rural landscape, yeah, but they are commensurate tremendous works of craftsmanship, dedication, passion, for the people who built them as well as for their functional use, you know, for processing and storing of grain. Right. You you look at it from that aspect, you're missing more than half the story.
1: Yeah, 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 I agree with you. So is there anything that you wanted to share that maybe we didn't get a chance to, to touch on? Um, I think
2: the uh, fact that it's becoming more and more incumbent on us in the land trust and historic preservation world to really reach out to a broader, younger, diverse audience and try to show our relevance. You, you use the term touchstone, but what is the relevance of what we think is important to future generations? And it's a story that we have to tell. We, we can no longer be content to save a building or save a piece of land and you know do the transaction. We really right. have to explain the why as yeah. we're doing it. And how it positively affects everybody, and conversely, how not preserving things negatively affects everybody, whether it's only or
1: not. Yeah, I agree with that, and I and I've seen a trend too in trying to tell more of a complete, diverse story in the in the in the interpretation of historic sites, and I think that is one way to really help people feel like it's their history too, you know, to everybody to be included.
2: Very few of us. Yeah. Our families have been here from the colonial period. Right. Most of us are descended from immigrants from somewhere. So, why do we care? Why should we care about something that's not directly related to our history, except that we now live in
1: that community and we are
2: caretakers and custodians of that for future generations?
1: Yeah, I I agree. So, how can someone um, support your organization?
2: Well, we would love for people to become members of our organization or us financially um, I believe our mission is important to everyone and our you know best way is through a website in the 21st century and um, our website is www.heritageconservancy.org and um, they can go on and see all the things that we're trying to do um, to to connect with people and to find the important things in our community and make sure they're there not just for future generations but for current generations right so anything in the last year it's that people really appreciate being able to get out into nature yeah. and experience it themselves. Uh, when I started, we always talking about future generations. Well, now we're worried about preserving things for the current
1: generation. Right. Yeah.
2: Urgency yeah. is much greater than it used to be. So yeah. yes, get involved either with our land trust, our historic organization, or another one, and try to make a difference in your own backyard.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And um, so to, to contact you, the best way is through the website. Yes.
2: Okay, okay. Uh, we will answer every inquiry.
1: Okay, well, very good. I will, um, we'll also, when we when this gets posted on our website, we'll have a link to your website too. So if somebody listens, they didn't write it down, they can go there and, and find you Wonderful. easily. Well, thank you very much for your time today.
2: Oh, I, I enjoyed it. I hope people learn something and we'll uh take action. Yes, no matter what you do, just take an action. Yeah, I agree.